0: You know, over the last 10 years, I've learned two things. <laughs> I'm a bit of a slow learner. <laughs> I hope I've learned more than two things, but I've learned at least two things. I've learned, hopefully, actually, or, or deepened my understanding, hopefully, of lots of things about God. Um, and what you, what you think about God how, is so important. What you think God is like is so important. So I've learned things about God, and I've learned things about What he's done for us and who we are in him and so on. But the two things I'm talking about particularly are are things about how we do this Christian life. There are two really important truths that I feel God has, I don't know, strengthened in me anyway. Well, taught me about how to live the Christian life. How to live the good life that he intends us to live. And I want to focus on one of them today. It's, it's, It's something I've talked about before. It's a a bit of a reminder for you, but it also came out of my meditations on Nehemiah. See if you can guess what it is as I go along. Chris will be able to guess it fairly quickly, I think. Um, But um, it's a a reminder, but it's a good thing for me to remind you of things. The Apostle Paul writing to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, I think it is, he says, it's not a trouble for me to write these things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Actually, to be reminded of truths that God has spoken to us and that he's taught us is a safeguard to us. It guards us from falling back into, into you know, bad stuff. To be reminded of things is good. At least that's my excuse for preaching you the same sermon. Anyway, now, now, You've heard this before, but it's a, it's a good thing to be reminded. In actual fact, it, it's important we guard what we build. In, in Nehemiah chapter 7, the bit that I'm going to read in, in Nehemiah, they finished the building. They finished the building of the temple. They finished the building of the walls. But then in the beginning of chapter 7, he says, therefore set a guard you know, in front of the walls. It's important that the truth that God builds into us, we guard it, we protect it. We don't let it go. We don't let the enemy steal it away from us. But it's actually in Nehemiah 8, I want to just look at. We're not going to read the whole thing, There's too much. But basically what's happened in Nehemiah 8 is Ezra comes now, all the building is finished, they're coming to celebrate, and basically a revival starts. How many want to see the Holy Spirit poured out on us more and more, yeah? Try like that, a revival, yeah, there we go, woohoo, and uh, um, a revival starts under Ezra, and it starts with him, it starts with him teaching. Starts with a teacher. Revival starts with a teacher. Who'd have thought it? normally the prophets who get all that stuff, isn't it? But it's, a, it's him teaching. It's him teaching the scriptures, teaching the word of God. And suddenly they start falling down in worship and the Holy Spirit moves. And it's amazing. And then I just want to draw your attention to this. Um, as the book of the law is being read, uh, let's go from verse. Ezra reads the book of the law, and there's a whole bunch of people in verse 7 who are, are instructing the people about what it means. Verse 8 of Nehemiah chapter 8 they read from the book of the law of God making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read then Nehemiah the governor Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all this day is sacred holy to the Lord your God do not therefore mourn or weep for all the people have been weeping as they listen to the words of the law. Do you know, sometimes, do you read the Bible, and, think, and especially when you read about Jesus, and you read what he's done for you, and you read the kind of life he wants us to live, do you ever feel like weeping? You think, oh, Lord, I fall so far short. Sometimes, sometimes it has that effect on us. And that's what's happening here. But he says, no, don't do that. Don't mourn and weep. Nehemiah actually said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred To our Lord, do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Anybody ever heard that verse or used that verse? The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's an important truth. But it comes from this bit. It comes from this bit where they're hearing God's word. They feel like crying. But he says, no, don't. Rejoice. Have a feast. Have a celebration. And then it says this um, in verse 11. The Levites calmed all the people saying, be still. For it's a sacred day. Do not grieve. And all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. So through reading and hearing the scripture and having it explained to them by these teachers, they just they're full of rejoicing and celebration. Okay? So that's what I want you to do when I'm preaching. Okay? I want you to rejoice and celebrate. Yeah? Okay, that's it. That's a bit of a woo-woo now and again. That's great. Okay. The problem is. A few days later, turn with me to chapter 9. On the 24th of the same month, the Israelites gathered together, fasting. Fasting. Who then? Fasting. nice, oh, Christine. Fasting. Hang on a minute. A moment ago, Nehemiah was saying, go and feast. Go and celebrate. And here they are, fasting. Not only fa- fasting, they're wearing sackcloth. This is a sign of mourning and sadness and grief and repentance. And having dust on their heads. Then those of like descent had separated themselves from foreign, all foreigners. They stood in their places and confessed their sins and the wickedness of their fathers. They stood where they, where they were and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. And spent another quarter in confession and worshipping the Lord their God. So one minute they're reading the book of the law and they're all feasting and celebrating and then a few days later they're reading the book of the law and they're all fasting and confessing. Which one do you prefer? Don't answer that. <laughs> Which is it meant to be? Are we meant to be feasting or fasting? Are we meant to be celebrating or in sackcloth? Which is it? You've listened to this sermon before, then. It's not either or, it's both and. Here's the important truth. It's not either or, it's both and. There was a time when Jesus was feasting, and some of the disciples of John the Baptist, they came and said, hang on a minute, Jesus, how come you and your disciples, you're feasting? Us and the Pharisees, we had to fast. And Jesus says these words, he says, a time will come when they will fast. But now that the bridegroom is with them, it's time for feasting. Mm-hmm. A time will come. Turn to the person next to you, and say, "Timing is everything. Amen. It's all about the timing. You see, <laughs> you get that? Timing is everything. A time will come. There was a time for feasting, and now there's a time for fasting. Or there was a time for fasting, and now there's a time." For feasting. There is a much misunderstood book of the Old Testament, which is one of my favorite books, called Ecclesiastes. I saw I knew what it was, Ecclesiastes. And in chapter three, it has this wonderful verse. It says, God has made everything beautiful in its time. God has made everything beautiful in its time. He says, There's a time to build and a time to destroy. There's a time to sow and a time to reap. There's a time for everything under the sun. And one of the things I learned. A really important thing I learned some years ago now, and I've tried to stay with it, and and, and it's a fact, i preached this before, is it is both and, but often truth is taught in like a paradox. There are two things which are seemingly contradictory, but they go together. But in the past, what I would try to do with those things, like for example, fasting and feasting, what I would try to do is I'd kind of get a balance between them. (laughs) A balance between, how do you get a balance between feasting and fasting? moderation i suppose but but the thing it's not about balance i listened to this guy a guy called andy stanley who taught this and it really really clicked something for me really did some years ago now he says it's not about balance it's about rhythm it's not about balance it's about rhythm it's knowing the time turn to the person next to you and say timing is everything (laughs) timing is everything it's all about the timing you see, folks, don't feast when you should be fasting. And don't fast when you should be feasting. Timing is everything. Everything is beautiful and it's time. There's a proverb. I, I, I thought of it just uh, last night and I didn't. I haven't, despite Sarah saying all that she said about me putting in lots of time into preparing the word. I didn't prepare this little bit, I'm afraid. But there's somewhere, yeah, <laughs> somewhere in scripture, somewhere in the Proverbs it says. Trevor will know. Some of the Proverbs, it says, there's something about it being good to have a timely word or an apt word. I can't remember what the actual the full verse is or where it is, so it's not my shoes, is it? But anyway, it's, it's, it's about an apt word or a timely word. Now, there's not, it's awful, isn't it, when you're feeling down and somebody goes, cheer up, then come on, pull yourself together, let's go, that's just, that's, I mean, even if there's truth in it, if it's untimely, it kind of it's certainly not beautiful. Everything's <laughs> beautiful in its time. Uh, there's a, a timely word. I must learn that sometime. So the truth that I've learned, number one truth, out of the two things I've learned, is rhythm. The importance of rhythm. In fact, I want to use it as a title if this helps whoever's on doing this. Rhythm hyphen. Um, everything beautiful in its time. Timing is ev- or timing is everything. There's an alternative. It's not about balance. It's not even about finding the middle way. From Buddha to Tony Blair, everyone's been about trying to find the middle way or the third way. No, it's not about that. It's about, it's about rhythm, knowing when to put an emphasis on different things at different times. This is where my whole thing about dancing comes from. By the way, I googled rhythm, you know, because you, you do, don't you? I googled rhythm. I love this. Maya Angelou said, everything in the universe has rhythm. Everything dances. Yes <laughs> everything dances, everything in the universe has rhythm. Everything dances. The uh, American poet Langston Hughes he said, "The rhythm of life is a jazz rhythm hmm. i 'll leave you to think about that one anyway that 's just through google and uh, but everything everything has rhythm. You see even walking along a road has rhythm, left, right, left, right, or right, left, whichever you prefer. Left, right. Try just walking forward with one foot. Left, left, left. You're sooner going to be in a lot of pain and discomfort. Okay? So um, even walking has rhythm. When we talk about, by the way, you know, Mark Lawrence actually, he, he's quoting Owen Baxter when he talks about the two ditches on either side of the road. You've got to hold two truths together. You've got to emphasize one ditch. You, sorry, if you emphasize one truth, you fall into one ditch. If you emphasize the other truth, you fall into the ditch. It's a similar kind of thing. But We're not, we're not doing it like a trapeze walk it's like a big wide road and the rhythm is learning learning to learn the rhythm in fact think of it less as walking if you really want to emphasize the rhythm of two truths which seemingly contradict but can be held together think of have you ever seen roller skating <laughs> looks just like roller skating that, doesn't it or ski or skating yeah in other words the emphasizing that going you're seemingly going in opposite directions but you're moving forward yeah you look unconvinced is that, was it so bad you've got the idea okay let me give you an example um, <laughs> there was an emphasis There's an emphasis that some people I want to show you how these holding truths in tension in rhythm might apply practically there's an emphasis amongst some Christians I've come across over the years who would say you know what we're all dirty rotten sinners they've, they've landed in a ditch when they're talking like that they're, you know you're dirty rotten miserable sinners and, but what they're actually seeking to emphasize is you know what we're, we're still able to sin. We still mess up. Anybody that's not true of? You know? Okay, so we all mess up. We all sin. There's a truth there. If you tempest it too much, you end up with this kind of worm mentality. We are just dirty, rotten, miserable, sinning sinners. We're worms. Apparently, was a lady who once said that to Winston Churchill. And Winston Churchill, he says, Madam, you're right. He says, but I think I am a glow worm. It <laughs> so <laughs> sounds, sounds typical of Churchill. So we, to be honest with you, in our movement, we have emphasized much more, you know, we're saints, we're, you know, we're overcomers, we're, we're, maybe we have ended in a ditch sometimes and we needed to balance that out with an element of truth that, you know, we do mess up. Or actually, in conversation just this week, a couple of conversations this week I've had, we've looked at it and looked at these things. Um, for example, in our family hub, this week we talked about this, um... You know the whole thing about when is it time just to kind of let go and let God. Stop trying. Stop trying so hard. And just let go and let God and let him live his life through you. And then you think, well, hang on. Isn't there a truth about we've got to work at this? We've got to perfect holiness out of the fear of God. We've got to pursue it with a passion. We've got to be disciplined like, like the athlete that goes into strict training. There's scriptures for both sides. We were talking about this. By the way. Just be careful on this, though. It's not a balance or a rhythm between grace and works. It isn't that. Everything is grace. You never balance out grace with anything. Everything is grace. The whole environment in which we live is grace. The whole ground in which we're rooted is grace. Never balance out grace. Everything is grace. In fact, actually, let's, let's stick with the rhythm thing here. There is apparently a difference between the beat and the rhythm. Alison was trying to explain it to me last night, and I almost got there. But a beat is a regular thing, okay? It's a regular, well, beat, you know. <laughs> like a heartbeat, a pulse, it's regular. Interestingly, if your heartbeat becomes irregular, they call it arrhythmia. So there's something there. Not quite sure what, but there's something. But, but a beat is a regular beat. The rhythm goes on top of that, okay? And it's, it's different from the beat. I'm, I can't explain it more than that. I want to say this, grace is the beat. Grace is the constant. It's the beat. The rhythm might be, sometimes we're emphasizing resting in God's grace. okay? And other times we're emphasizing with the rhythm, working with his grace. Do you understand? Sometimes you rest in his grace and say, Lord, I can't do this. I'm not able to do this. And Lord, I thank you that you accept me just unconditionally, just as I am. I'm just going to struggle and try anymore. more. I'm just going to rest in your grace. Sometimes that's the right thing. That's what you should be emphasizing. there's another time, it's quite appropriate at a different time, to be emphasizing, uh, like Paul did, I am what I am by the grace of God. And the grace of God towards me has not been without effect. But I worked harder than all of you. Yet not I, it was the grace of God working in me. In other words, we work with the grace. We make every effort, Peter says, to add to our faith goodness and to our goodness, knowledge, and so on and so forth. In other words, there is a place for effort and work. Sometimes the rhythm... The emphasis is on resting in his grace, and sometimes it's on working with his grace. But the beat is grace. Does that make sense? Here's another thing, another conversation that I had. Um, oh, by the way, yeah, I'm done on that. I think, looking at my own life, uh, too many years have I done a pendulum swing between those two things. Oh, let go and let go. Just stop trying, Trev. And don't, you know, all your disciplines go out the window. To, oh, I've got to really work hard on this got to get up and discipline myself and beat my body and make it my slave and so on. And I've pendulum swung between those two things. I mean, that's, and again, you might remember I said this before, pendulum swinging is not a good way for moving forward. It really isn't. It's a bit like bad dancing, you know. That's not good dancing, you know. It really isn't. I'll say more about that in a minute. But I've done that over the years. Not bad dancing, I mean, but my dance is pretty good, actually. But no, no, I, the, um, I've done that kind of pendulum swinging between. What I thought was grace and effort, but it's actually about resting and working in his grace. Okay. A second conversation that I had this week. This is an important one as well. How about when to overlook an offense and when we need to have an honest conversation? The proverb says it is the glory of man, isn't it, to overlook an offense? So we can overlook it. You know, sometimes, you know, let's face it, you're building any kind of relationship, you're going to get irritated. If you're in a relationship, you will get irritated by the other from time. Uh, <coughs> I look at all the married couples looking at each other now. I don't know why that's going on there, but they're just a number of married couples just looking at each other there. You know, some of us who are particularly grumpy, you, know, you get to the point where you like everything, everything the other does, uh, ever, everything the other does just winds you up. You, know? you have to eat like that, and talk like that. <laughs> think <Everything> you would do? <laughs> I mean, just. Even just, even, even just the way you breathe. Can you, can you, can you stop breathing? You know, it's like, it's like. No, we can get irritable. I mean, can you imagine a marriage where every time you got irritated or frustrated, you felt you had to say something? No, no. Sometimes we need to learn patience and forbearance and just overlook an offense. Then there'll be other things, and we had this conversation with this person, it was very helpful, so other times, you know what, you need to have the honest conversation. Now, by the way, in all of this, forgiveness is the beat. Forgiveness is not optional. It's not like the rhythm, you know, oh, the emphasis today is on forgiving. The emphasis tomorrow, oh no, I'm not going to forgive today. You know? No, that's not rhythm. The beat is you always, always forgive. The rhythm is, you might sometimes just overlook the offense doesn 't matter i 'm irritating as well, so and other times it might be, we need to sit down and have an honest conversation, and sometimes you might think, oh no i 'm just overlooking the offense well you 're not really you 're just letting it stew, and you need to have the honest conversation. Do you understand there 's a rhythm, the beat though, forgiveness is not optional okay i 'm saying that because i 'm reminding you of this because I think it's going to help us with a number of things as we move forward. Oh, oh, I'm just looking at the time and thinking, I'm going to exclude a bit here and maybe I'll bring it another week. I'm going to just leave that bit out. You see, I think what happens, I said I'm going to exclude and here I am preaching it now. But anyway, I'm just going to give you a little, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Nehemiah chapter 8, they have the Feast of Booths where the whole city gets to look like a garden. And there's a rhythm to gardening. There's a rhythm to the seasons, which it's vital we understand. There's a rhythm to stages in life. It's vital we understand. That's just a little taste there. I'm going to preach that another time now. Trevor looking at me. Don't, don't go into that now. Okay. All right. Just, just one thing on the stages of life, though. <laughs> just one thing on the stages of life. Just one thing. One thing. Muhammad Ali apparently said this. Muhammad Ali said this. He said, the person who views the world the same at 50 as he did at 20 has wasted 30 years of his life. You know, we change. We go through stages of life. There's things that we believe then we don't believe now, and that's okay. There's a rhythm to it. But be careful you don't... I'm preaching it, aren't I? Be careful you don't reject it. I looked at Muhammad Ali's quotes. Great one. Here's a great one by Muhammad Ali. He said, if you even dream about beating me, he says, you better wake up and apologize. I thought that was great. (laughs) (laughs) I just loved it... (laughs) <laughs> okay <On this. laughs> love, he's a great man God love him, bless him okay, I just want to talk very very briefly about three areas where we need to apply rhythm, I believe in this time now one is to do with leadership and followership which Mark is bringing to us on Wednesday, so I'm not going to touch much on that, but it's important, there's a rhythm if you, you see with rhythm, rhythm is, dancing is based on rhythm um, and sometimes you'll seem to be going one way And then you'll go another way This, this, is, this is dancing Remember the dance, Jim? Yeah. <laughs> do I remember the dance? Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to do it again to you, don't worry So the dancing can go two different ways When we want to insist on just one way Okay, no, you're a worm, we're a worm, we're a worm That's not dancing, that's stamping your foot Do you understand? It's just going one way, just going one foot That's stamping your foot, that's not dancing When you emphasize just the one thing To the exclusion of the other That's not rhythm, it's not dancing, it's stamping your foot the reason I say that is we need to know with leadership there are times when we follow and there's times when we lead. If you say, "I don't want to follow, I don't want to follow, that's just like stamping your foot. We need to learn to follow. By the way, every one of us in different spheres and at different times, both leads and follows. Jesus said, "I only do what I see the Father doing." He's following the Father. Paul says, "Follow me as I follow the example of Christ." All of us are leaders and followers in different situations. And again, you need to know by the Holy Spirit, what should you be doing at any one time? If you only insist on doing one, either leading or following, that's not dancing. That's stamping your foot. That's not rhythm. And it's not good. Okay. So anyway, Mark will focus much more on that. But I think it's important that we get the rhythm right there. Here's another one. We have emphasized over recent years quite a lot. And again, I'm not saying it was wrong. It was just that's where the rhythm was at at the time. We've emphasised when we come together to worship. We kind of do our own thing. We kind of we're just expressing where we're at, and it's an individual thing, and, if, and it's got to be authentic. And the idea, because there was a time when the emphasis was much more on, we're praising God together, and we all do we do the same thing. Let's all stand. Let's all raise a song. Let's all clap our hands. Let's all sh- let's all shout together. We kind of moved away from that. Now, was that because it was wrong? And now we've discovered the truth. Or was it a matter of rhythm? Because I want to suggest to you, I'm just putting it out there for you to think about. I want to suggest to you, we need to rediscover an emphasis on praising God together. So there's a time, there is a, t- there is a time and a place. And even within the course of a meeting, there are things, particularly at the beginning, when we do it together. And then later, it becomes a little bit more personal, intimate, it might be a little bit more different. I've heard people say, and it's fine. I'm not saying it's wrong. It's about rhythm. They might say, you know what? <laughs> Isn't it wonderful? we are all come together and we're all praising God in our little different ways. Well, yeah, sometimes. But there's something that's discovered when you're praising God, you're all doing the same thing together that's really, really powerful. Praising God together is powerful. Because if we're all just doing our own individual things so it's authentic big thing is authenticity these days, then that isn't praising God together. That's just praising God individually in the same room. Do you understand there's a difference? Now, this can't be forced. Eugene Peterson, who I was going to finish with, but I don't think I will be able to now. Eugene Peterson talks about the unforced rhythms of grace. So we're not talking about forcing people. But we also, you know, actually making a choice of our heart. And when Marcus or whoever says, let's stand together. Let's raise a shout. You know, Alison says, whatever, do jazz hands, whatever. You know. There's a thing, actually, there's something powerful when we do things together. And so I want to encourage you to think about that. You know, some of us, let's be honest, some of us, we think we're sitting down more often because, you know, we're just, well, it's just us and God, it's fine. Let's be honest, it's because we're older, really, isn't it? For most, many of us, we need to sit down more. Standing up it takes a lot more effort, but sometimes, you know, what, the effort is worth it. Because you're pressing to God together as a group and you get somewhere. And again, it's not, nothing's forced and it's about rhythm. So sometimes the rhythm will then swing back and it becomes very, very individual and very, very diverse. But don't stamp your foot at me now and say, oh, I always want to diverse. It's got to be diverse all the time. It's got to be authentic, individual. No, no, no. There's a time, there's a real value in all praising God together. I remember once going to the back of a meeting, came in late to a meeting. Gosh, I don't, that's, that's another thing, but we'll talk about that another time. Um, um, I, <laughs> I came in late to a meeting and stood at the back and I saw every head going up. Everybody was stood and every head was going up. Now, to be fair, it wasn't great dancing, it was a charismatic two step. You know, you always used to do that. So we called the that's all it was. But every head was going... There was, every, there was something powerful in everybody doing something together. We're better together. So I want to encourage you that's, that I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to be careful that we, do, that we learn this rhythm and we don't miss out on something because we're overemphasizing, stamping our foot on. I want it to be individual and authentic and personal. There's a power in doing it together. I can see some of you are going to need more persuading, but that's fine. Um, God is... Brin Jones once said this to me. God is a God of moods. He's not a moody God, but he is a God of moods. So sometimes when we appear, God is in a mood to really get things stirred up and have a great party and a celebration. Now, you, I would not do this. I would say, I am not in the mood for that. How about it doesn't matter what mood we're in or where we're at. What really matters is what mood God is in and where he's at. And if God is in for celebration and joy, how about we get with it? Okay? And if it's other times it's quiet and it's still and it's just that very personal, intimate thing, let's get with that. God is not a moody God, but he is a God of moods. Discern the mood that God is in and get with the rhythm. Okay. Here's another one. I am so blessed that this emphasis came. But again, and please... If you don't understand, if you miss me on this one, you've got to be really, really listen to me carefully on this one because if it's misunderstood, it can be um, damaging. I am really grateful to God that he has taught us not to pretend, not to use faith and positive confession as pretending and not being honest about where we're at. And I, I love the fact that he's taught us. You know what? We're all broken. In many ways, we've all messed up. In many ways. That's an, been an important emphasis. An important restoring of a, a bad rhythm that we had. We're all broken. We're all messed up. And there's been a big emphasis on empathy. We don't try to fix people. We certainly don't try to judge people. Non-judgment is a beat. But we don't try to fix them. And oftentimes we just stand with people or sit with people in their pain and in their mess. That is an important Emphasis. You come across somebody who's in pain and you just say, Pull yourself together, that's an untimely word and does damage. And I'm speaking from personal experience here, I've been there. And I'm so glad I had people who didn't judge me, just sat with me. But there was a time when God spoke to me about saying, Take responsibility for where you're at. Don't live as a victim. This might be true of where you're at right now, but don't let it define you. Don't let it defeat you. And don't let yourself become dependent because of it. And we live in an age, a culture, where we easily label people and let them live as a victim. And Jesus said to the man who'd been paralyzed for 38 years, he said, Take up your mat, stand up and walk. There comes a time when we need to hear the Holy Spirit speak to us about taking responsibility. All the stuff that we're suffering with, all the mess, it may be true, and thank God for those times when the rhythm is on somebody sitting with us and being with us and not judging us, just being with us in our mess. But there does come a time when we have to say, I take responsibility. I'm not going to let this define me. I'm going to, by the grace of God, I'm going to shape my life. Now, again, remember the feasting and the fasting. Which is it, Trevor? Which are you for? Both. The issue is being led by the Holy Spirit as to what to emphasize at a particular time, please, please do not take this as a license to go and tell people, take responsibility of yourself, when what they need, the, the rhythm, the emphasis needs to be upon sitting with them in their pain. So it's about rhythm. It's not about balance. And it's not about either one or the other. It's both and. So I believe... That as we move forward together, there are a couple of things there that we have just got to make some adjustments to the rhythm and listen to the Holy Spirit on. That's not the end of the matter. That's, there'll be other conversations we have to have about it. But I do believe that we need to remember this really, really important principle of rhythm. Otherwise, we won't be dancing together. We'll be just stamping our foot on the thing that we particularly like or what particularly suits us. Okay, I'm going to finish now. Um, and I'll have some other things to share in a few, a few weeks' time about this. But uh, <clears throat> I was at a, on Thursday night, I went to, we had Family Hub, and then afterwards I went to, um, just at the ending of our, our staff do, the end of term do. I didn't go over the whole thing, I'm not particularly a party animal, and I wanted to prioritise my Family Hub. And, uh, but I went to stay at the end, because there's some, there some people I wanted to say goodbye to who were leaving. So I went to our um, end of term do, and... Um, I was just stood at the bar watching people dancing. And there was one of my colleagues, bless her, lovely, lovely lady, very talented, and, but she didn't have any rhythm. I'm not, I hope I'm not gonna name any names and I hope this recording is never listened to by any of my colleagues, but, but she just didn't have any just like what are these lovely kinda of just and no rhythm. Uh, by the way, by the way, I was doing there, naturally, what I don't want any of you to do spiritually. And I don't want to do, I standing at the edges, watching everybody dancing, just judging how they're dancing. That's what I was doing, okay? Don't do that in the spiritual. Okay, the, the beat, the beat here is stay connected and count yourself in. That's not rhythm, that, that's beat. Stay connected and count yourself in. Okay, don't think, oh, well, today I feel like getting connected and counting myself in, but tomorrow I don't. It's just the emphasis. No, 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 that's a beat. Stay connected and count yourself in. Don't do what I was doing in the natural. In fact, I felt so guilty about what I was doing in the natural, just standing at the bar, judging other people's dancing, that I went and joined in the dance. Until I realized I was dancing to Dancing Queen. And I thought, oh. <laughs> I don't like bad dancing, I don't like bad music. But anyway, this is my am awesome. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, if some other fans here, I'm sorry. But um, as I was watching this lady, this lovely, lovely lady, dancing, I thought, you know what, I don't know about you naturally, not everybody's got rhythm, and I don't know whether you can teach rhythm, whether it's something caught rather than taught, I don't know. But I do know this, I do know this, if you've got the Holy Spirit, you've got spiritual rhythm. If if you're a Christian, you've got the Holy Spirit living in you and you've got spiritual rhythm. And I will just finish with this from the message, Ephesians chapter 4. Understanding this principle of rhythm is vital for moving together. It talks about here. I'll I'll say more about this in another time. But it says this. um, Through the gift of leadership, we're trained. Leaders train Christians in skilled servant work Working within Christ's body, the church, until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son. That's what I pray for all of us, that we would learn to move rhythmically and easily together. And guess what? If you've got the Holy Spirit, you've got rhythm. You've got rhythm, you've got music. Let's stand, shall we? In Galatians chapter 5 in the NIV, it talks about keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. And I want to suggest to you that's not just about walking. It's about dancing. It's about getting into the, the rhythm of the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, I pray. I've just suggested some things. I've thrown some things out there for us to consider and reflect upon. But Holy Spirit, I pray you'd lead us in your rhythms. Help us not to be those who have our own little pet thing we stamp our foot on. But Lord, we want to be led by you into your rhythms and to know the emphasis that we need to have at any one time not only in our personal lives but in our corporate life together help us to catch the rhythm and to keep in step with your rhythms Holy Spirit in Jesus name Amen 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 there we go sit down